0: All uh, that you would be glorified in their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, back there with Mr. Cherokee. And now for us, our Baptist catechism for this week, uh, the Baptist catechism is question number 59. It is, which is the third commandment? And the answer, if you would read along with me, says this: The third commandment is thou shalt not take the name. Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him and guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Amen. And those Baptist catechisms, along with the Pilgrim memory verses and all the rest of that stuff, like I said, is available um, on the app and in the digital hymnal. So I would encourage you, you can look at all that stuff. And if you have it on the app or on the digital hymnal, it even tells you the uh, Bible passages that these catechisms are being pulled from. These are not Uh, pulled merely from tradition, but what we believe scripture to teach us to be true. Uh, So, uh, with that in mind, it's my pleasure to introduce to you guys our speaker for today. Uh, A lot of you at Redeemer Fellowship already know him. Uh, uh, Ryan. on up, Ryan? And he is... uh, (laughs) uh, Ryan is an intern here at Redeemer Fellowship Church, uh, and a part of this internship, um, recognizing his uh, desire for ministry... His desire to be a leader in the church uh, is that he teach. And I've heard Ryan teach multiple times, and uh, he's a very good teacher, very faithful to God's word. And I know he's put a lot of work into this today uh, that you guys might be encouraged and blessed uh, by the word of God today. So I'm going to pray for Ryan and get started. God, I pray for our brother Ryan, Lord, as he comes to deliver the word of God to us. Ask that you would bless him, that his words would ring true. Lord, as Ryan teaches us that our hearts would be affected by the power of your word. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would go forward, Lord, to speak to us, to illuminate our hearts, to understand what it is that your word is teaching us, and Lord, that as Ryan speaks, uh, he would do so humbly, Lord, out of a heart that desires uh, to worship and honor you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, most good 21st
1: century preachers. I have an iPad preach on, but that's not me. I'm a college student, so I'm to preaching on this bad boy today. But uh, I'm gonna start out by reading the passage that we ran. So if you all write your Bibles, we're gonna be in Luke 10, verses 17 through 24. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. I'm going to pray for us. Um, (coughs) Father God, I thank you so much that we get to hear from your words today, Lord, and I ask that uh, it is not me speaking up here, but that it is the Holy Spirit in me, Lord, and that... If I say anything that is contrary to your word, God, that you would um, block it out of the ears of those here today, Lord, and that um, I just ask that we would all leave here um, loving you more and desiring to live for you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you all were here two weeks ago, you heard Matt preach on the 72 followers of Jesus that he sent out to go in front of him to the towns that Jesus was on his way to. And um, they basically just went out to preach that he's coming. Um, Jesus commanded them to go out in groups of two, to, to carry no knapsack, no sandals, no money. Um, he also commanded them to, to heal the sick and uh, to tell them that the of God has come near to you. Um, but if the town chooses to reject them, then he commanded them to shake the dust off their feet and keep moving. Um, so you can say that these 72 Uh, followers of Jesus were some of the first missionaries. Um, Along their journey, they did incredible works. Um, And some of them, they couldn't wait to get back to talk to Jesus about. Verse 17 says that the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so here, Jesus' reaction is an interesting one. Um, he, He isn't commending the 72 for their faithfulness, even though they were faithful, and um, he doesn't thank them for the many people that are going to want to hear about Jesus when he comes to their town. Even though uh, their ministry was effective, but what does Jesus do? He tells them that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Could you could you imagine that you just um, took the biggest risk of your life? You you uh, gave up your livelihood to go to go follow Jesus to go um, to go obey his commands, and not only did did God provide you with provisions for the journey, but but he allowed you to cast out demons, and um, you can't wait to get back to tell Jesus. And he looks at you and says, "I saw Satan all I'd like lightning from heaven." Um, some scholars hold to the idea that here Jesus is referring to some sort of vision he had, but I think uh, more simply that he's just referring to original sin. So uh, before Adam and Eve ever ate the forbidden fruit, um, Satan pridefully desired himself to be greater than to be greater than God, and so. Um, He, along with his demons, were were cast out of heaven. And um, I think that Jesus is sort of qualifying himself here. He's the son of God. He was present uh, at the creation of Satan and at Satan's downfall, and he has power over Satan. So the disciples shouldn't really be surprised uh, when they work in the name of Jesus and that they're able to to cast out demons and have power over evil. Um, So obviously, like it says, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, that is an incredible, god glorifying, good thing. Um, I've never done anything like that, and I've certainly never seen anything like that. And um, <coughs> Scripture says that the 72 were working in Jesus' name, so clearly he ordained what they were doing. So um, it was good. They were living faithfully. But why then does Jesus issue a warning to the 72 in verse 20? Uh, I think that's, that's the main point of his response. He says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. One reason it is so important that our joy is found in our salvation and not in the fruits of our ministry uh, is because that we aren't promised a fruitful ministry in this life, but we are promised assurance of of salvation. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously, fruitfulness within ministry in the context of our lives doesn't look the same as did in the seventy-two. probably none of you have ever cast out any demons, but um, what it looks like for us is just um, with the people that we share life with faithfully, teaching them the gospel and seeing them um, grow in their desire to live for Christ, seeing them commit to Bible studies, learning the scriptures, coming to church, and ultimately uh, making more disciples out of their life. And um, what happens if we put our joy in that is that... um, Whenever God may not choose to grant us a fruitful ministry for some season of our life, um, if that's where our joy is found and it's not there, then we view ourselves as failures. Our ministry seems like it's pointless, and we're prone to just throw in the towel. Um, Martin Luther Jones was one of the most influential pastors of the 20th century. He wrote books and preached sermons that have been read and heard all over the world, and when he was on his deathbed, um, dying of cancer, he was asked this question. How are you managing to bear up? You've been accustomed to preaching several times a week. You have begun important Christian enterprises. Your influence has extended through tapes and books to Christians on five continents. And now you've been put on the shelf. You are reduced to sitting quietly, sometimes managing a little editing. I'm not so much asking, therefore, how you are coping with the disease itself, Brother, how are you coping with the stress of being out of the swim sort of things? And his response? Do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. This man's personal ministry was more fruitful than anything I've ever seen, and yet that's not where his joy was found. His joy was found in Christ. And so, placing our joy in our fruits can be detrimental to our ministry efforts. But that probably wasn't even the most, the most imminent danger for the 72. At this moment in time, their ministries were incredibly fruitful. Um, they weren't on the verge of burning out, but they were in danger of of sinning by finding more joy in their works than in Christ. And so, so why would that be sin? Um, why is that wrong? A few quick an- a few quick answers out that is just that um, there is so much more joy to be had in Christ than any of our works, and. Um, Christ is is infinitely worthy of our desires and our joys. And um, according to this text that we read today, he he wants and desires to to be the treasure of our hearts. And so that raises the question, how do we properly place our joy? Um, And it is is ever so important when asking this question to realize that it wasn't free for our names to be written in heaven. Every one of us has sinned. We've all told God, thanks but no thanks. I'm gonna do this my way and because of that, We have no righteousness of our own. We've all all earned eternal separation from God, and we have no right to draw near Him. And it is only by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are made right before God. Before our names could be inked in heaven, the pen had to be dipped in the blood of Jesus. So in order to keep our joy on the salvation that we have in Jesus and away from our works, Must fix our gaze on the gospel. So, looking at the gospel and reflecting on the cross forces us to come to terms with the truth that our works are the reason Jesus was crucified. Isaiah 64 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Apart from Christ, we aren't even capable of doing any good works. Romans 6 says that, that before we lived in him, we were slaves to sin. And the, the only reason the 72 um, were capable of doing good works is because of the power that Jesus gave them. And the only reason you and the only reason I can glorify God in our lives is because of the cross. And so, since our good deeds only come from God's grace, that is where we should look to find our joy. So we look to the cross. Because it shows us that without Christ we have no good works and we look to the cross because that is where our salvation was secured. God wasn't sitting in heaven with his fingers crossed waiting for you to say a prayer at vacation Bible school when you were 12 years old so that you could write your name in heaven. Um, he knew He knew before he ever formed you um, the plans he had for you and that he was going to set you apart for himself. Ephesians 1, through 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Before creation, God knew the plans that he had for you, and there is nothing that could ever happen to deter those from happening. Not only does the cross secure our names in heaven from the, from before time, but also um, throughout all of eternity. Romans 8.38-39 read, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, He has a hold of you now and for the rest of eternity. The fruits of your ministry um, and your good works, they're fleeting. They may come and go. But as long as we are still living on this earth, we're going to be in perfect means. Um, Even even our good deeds that we do are are tainted by selfish uh, motivations. But because of Jesus' saving works on the cross, our lives are eternally secured in his hands. Aren't the results of Jesus' work on the cross so much more worthy of our joy? than the work of our failing flesh. The 72 followers of Christ may have had their joy in the wrong place, but things could have been a whole lot worse for their Christian walks. I mean, these these people were faithfully living in obedience to Christ. They gave up their livelihoods to go spread the good news. That's incredible. Um, and if you never struggle with placing your joy in, in ministry then in Christ, um, Maybe it doesn't mean that this sermon doesn't apply to you. Um, Maybe it is a good reason to examine your life and see if um, any ministry exists at all. If um, you're able to to look at yourself and see little personal evidence of your life and how you talk, pushing others towards Christ, then um, I would say that you're probably dealing with the the same issue, the same sin as the 72, and that is an issue of joy. Whenever you, whenever you truly enjoy an aspect of life, your joy isn't made complete when that experience ends. No, truly enjoying something inevitably results in you praising it with your mouth. Um, for example, the Nationals just won the World Series a few nights ago. If you call yourself a ride or die National fan, you're gonna watch the games, you're gonna wear the gear, you're gonna um, know all about the, the team, the players, and um, you went to work the next day after the championship and you tried to hold in talking about it um, you didn't bring it up at lunch or on break with your with your buddies at work um, it's probably going to eat at you inside because you want to boast about your beloved team and i would say that that same logic uh, applies to our, our christian walk um, if, if you go to church on sunday listen to christian music on the radio and have a lot of knowledge about the bible but never verbally share the love of God with those he's put in your life, then you aren't finding your joy in Christ. You are taking your eyes away from the cross and fixing them on lesser joys and temporary pleasures. And so continuing on in the text uh, to verse 21, we read that Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. So not only did Jesus preach about where we should put our joy, but he showed us. Um, And placing our joy in the Holy Spirit sounds great. Um, That's something that I definitely want to do, but but what does that even mean? And so Jesus does it simply by praying. And um, his prayer in verses 21 and 22 looks a little different than our prayers often do. Um, He wasn't asking God for security or safety or thanking God for good gifts or asking for more gifts from God. Um, instead, he's, he's literally just simply thanking God for who God is. And um, how often do we get caught up in our own lives um, that we lose awe and gratitude for the Father? I'll say the same thing about prayer that I did about ministry. It's difficult to check to see if your prayer life resembles the prayer life of Christ that is non-existent. So whether you pray selfishly or rarely pray at all, there is joy in the Holy Spirit waiting for you. You come to God in thanks for who He is. In order order to thank God for who He is, you must first know who He is. And so I think I'd be remiss to preach on this text without discussing the characteristics of God that Jesus mentions in His prayer. And so, verse 21 says, Jesus says that the Father hides these things from the wise and revealed them for the little children. Yes, for such is your graciousness. Isn't it beautiful how God reveals His glory? No man could ever get credit for being smart enough to find his way to God. Um, and also, God isn't up in heaven building heaven's dream team of the smartest people to ever live, but instead, He chooses to reveal His glory and build His kingdom through little children. Um, so, I like to spend a decent amount of my free time on YouTube and um, I'll be the first to admit that i probably spent too much time on there, but it's not all a waste of time. Um, I, I do watch a lot of videos that help me uh, better understand scripture or God, and so because of that, YouTube thought it was a good idea to um, to suggest a video to me of this really tall, big dude with black hair that went halfway down his back talking for like 15 or 20 minutes about how Noah's Ark is scientifically impossible. and I, I don't think it takes a genius to realize that humans um, couldn't. Do Noah's ark on our own. I I knew that when I was a little kid hearing the story. Um, It's only through the power of God that that Noah was able to to do a miracle like that. And um, the knowledge that this guy had prevented him from seeing the wonders of the works of God. The earthly wisdom that our society so often desires may be why it's separating us from the Father. And so, continuing on to verse 22, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. How often do we thank the Father for His relationship with the Son? Or how often do we thank Jesus for revealing uh, the Father to us? Um, in my life, I so often find myself um, taking my position for God, uh, my position with God, for granted. Um, but my works um, have, have earned me nothing but hell, and without the cross, that's what I would get. Um, but does this verse anger you? Does it seem wrong that the only people that know God are those who Jesus chooses to reveal Him to? Why doesn't He choose everybody? Um, this isn't the main focus of the message that I wanted to preach, but um, it is definitely something I wanted to touch on and I could easily preach a whole sermon on it. Um, but I just, I just want us to focus on two main points about this, about this, the uh, first, and one is that God's will is infinitely greater than ours. Um, we don't know who he will choose to save, but we do know that he has called us to make disciples of all nations, and, um, and it's our job to open our mouths, but it's God who, who makes the heart change. And secondly, we as God's creation have no right to tell God how he should or shouldn't act. Romans nine twenty one through 23 says, Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy? which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Now, I certainly don't think to fully understand how God works. And like I said, a verse like this you could take a whole sermon to preach on, it, but I've got to keep moving. But the main points that I want you to remember from this are that God's will is greater than ours, and us as God's creation, um, we have no right to tell God how he should act. So, continuing on to verses 23 and 24, Jesus says blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And when he says this, he's just referring to himself, the coming redeemer of God's people that was promised in the Old Testament. Um, In 24, he says that the the prophets and kings of old desired to know their coming Savior, but they never got to experience him like the disciples did. They had to hope in what was to come. And from the scriptures um, that we've heard today, we've got to hear this message that the the ancient's prophet, the ancient prophets and kings desire, um, we got to hear the message of Jesus, that he is the Savior who came to cleanse us of our sins, give us joy in this life and a far greater joy in the next life, in his presence for all of eternity. And so obviously um, we can't see Jesus the same way that his disciples did, um, but he, he does promise us that we can have a personal relationship with him. And so maybe if you were here today and um, you've been coming to church your whole life, but you, you haven't experienced this personal joy that I'm talking about. Um, maybe you've wanted just enough Jesus to get you out of hell, or you've always um, called yourself a Christian because that's what your family does, and um, you don't want to look back. Um, but, um, I, but you lack the joy that, that I've been talking about today. And I just want to tell you that that's you, then um, if you turn from your sin and you trust your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you truly have life and this doesn't mean that um, your life is going to be perfect from now on out it doesn't mean that you won't have any issues um, you'll still sin but what it does mean is that no matter what this world throws at you um, you can still have joy because your joy is rooted in nothing but the cross of Christ and so uh, now I'm going to close us in prayer. Father God I thank you so much word that you've given us today. I uh, thank you for the joy that we have in you, God. And um, I just ask that we we look to find that joy uh, nowhere else but you, God. I thank you that um, our names are written in heaven and that our salvation is secured in you, God. And I would just ask that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who has never experienced um, joy and true life in you, God, that they would surrender um, their lives to you that they would give up the slavery to they're living in and that um, they would just fall in love with you Lord it's you say my prayer again.
0: this time we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. If I could get David and Adam to the Lord's Supper. Before we take the Lord's
1: Supper